Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. If you'd like to follow along, you can find it in the Pew Bible on page 884. As we prepare to listen to God's word, let's ask for the Spirit's working among us. Please pray with me. God of inspiration, break into the wilderness of our lives. The uncertainty, the confusion, and the distractions from your word with a moment of clarity, grace, and understanding that encourages us and molds us more into the image of Christ. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. From Acts chapter 1. When Jesus had said this as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went up to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So last week, Pastor Brad kicked off our stewardship series, Back to the Source. All month, we'll be thinking about how after a year and a half of pandemic living, we can get back to the source that holds us together as a community and gives us direction. We're being given a chance to evaluate how through worship, prayer, giving, study, and service, we are being called to recommit ourselves to our relationship with God and our connection to this community. And so it seems fitting that today, as we talk about going back to the source through prayer, our scripture lesson comes from the very start of the church. This passage in Acts takes place right after Jesus has resurrected, appeared to the disciples, and given them one last message before ascending into heaven. And what did the disciples do? Do they go and have a committee meeting to decide where the church is going to be built? Do they begin to put together a business model and elect elders to make sure that everything is done decently and in order? No. They pray. They gather together immediately following Jesus' departure and devote themselves to prayer. Oswald Chambers says, prayer doesn't fit us for the greater works. Prayer is the greater work. When the early church was getting off the ground and running, 
They devoted themselves to prayer because the act of opening their hearts to God, of giving of themselves, of listening, was the work to which they were called. If you've ever been on a committee or served perhaps as an elder or a deacon here at Faith, you'll note that we start every meeting with prayer. It's because prayer is the work we are called to do as a community of faith. Everything else is to be a byproduct. A few weeks ago, I stood down on those steps during the PYD and I held up my cell phone. And it was a simple way for us to think about this idea of prayer. And while it is rather simplistic, I think it drives home the point that prayer isn't about a wish list that we read off to God. Prayer, at its core, is a chance for us to talk with God. And if prayer is a conversation and not a monologue, then we need to spend time listening for God. For many of us, that's hard because it involves silence. When I was in the eighth grade, I went to a brand new magnet school. And while it was opened, the gymnasium hadn't actually been completed. Because of this, our PE coach had to be creative with the way that he structured our class time together. And so he decided to teach us how to play chess. I'm sure he thought this was a wonderful idea because we would all sit quietly in class and learn how to do these moves. It would be a wonderful way to pass the time. Of course, this was too much for 8th grade Trinity to handle. To have to sit there in silence while my opponent studied the board was so boring. And to Coach Brown's dismay, I seemed to be able to manage to always get my opponent to chat it up with me instead of just playing the game. When parent-teacher conferences happened that semester, I'll never forget what Coach Brown told my father. He said, Trinity's a good student, but she can't stand silence. I'd move her beside the wall if I thought it would help, but to be honest, I think she'd just talk to the bricks. He was right. I was uncomfortable with silence. I think for many of us, when we think about the idea of having a conversation with God, the idea of listening for God can make us uncomfortable because it involves silence. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. To truly be in conversation with God, we need to be willing to listen, to be still, to get comfortable with silence. But this isn't so that we can reach some zen-like time of self-emptying. No, it is because when we finally take time to still ourselves, to be quiet, it's in those moments that we encounter God. In his book, O Holy Mountain, M. Basil Pennington says, silence is the very presence of God, always there, but activity hides it. We need to leave activity long enough to discover God's presence, 
then we can return to activity confident that God is with us. And so when we engage in prayer, we need to approach it like a healthy conversation, prepared to do some listening. During the pandemic, folks have actually gotten better at listening. When the lockdown was first underway in April of 2020, one of the top searches that was on Google was, are the birds singing louder? As I was listening to Morning Edition on NPR, they had a bird expert on air, and she shared that although our perception might be that they were singing louder, it's actually likely that in places that are typically most noisy, the birds are singing quieter than normal. But when the noise was gone, we were actually able to notice their singing. When the noise was gone, we could hear. When we practice silence as a part of our prayer life, it allows us to be more attuned so we can hear from God. But maybe you're not a chatterbox like me. Your issue in prayer isn't the listening part. Maybe when it comes to prayer, you struggle with what to say. Perhaps you feel like the disciples. You remember in the Gospels, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. That's where we get the Lord's Prayer that we offer every Sunday. And the Lord's Prayer is a great place for us to start. In fact, some of the most moving prayers for me are ones that involve praying Scripture. When I'm not sure what to pray for others, I'll often go to one of Paul's letters, perhaps Philippians or Ephesians, and I'll offer his prayers for those church as a way of praying for those who are closest to me. When I'm feeling heartache, I go to the book of Lamentations and offer those words. Or if I'm feeling joyful, I use the words from the Psalms as a way of praising God. If you're struggling with what to pray, turning to Scripture for guidance is a rich place for us to start. There are many rote prayers that I find meaningful. That's actually how we're going about teaching our two-year-old Davis to pray. You see, over and over again, we use these same prayers so that he can take them to heart and memorize them. If you were to go up to him and ask him to pray today, it would probably sound a lot like the theme song for Superman. Thank you, God, for giving us food. But the hope is that with time, the words of these rote prayers become natural language for him as a way for him to talk to God. Our prayers don't have to be some formal dialogue with the Lord. It's about opening our hearts and sharing with God. In the book of Jeremiah, God says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And you probably remember that parable of Jesus that we find in Luke 18, where two men come to the temple to pray. One is a religious leader, and the other a tax collector. The religious leader offers a pious and arrogant prayer publicly for all to hear, while the tax collector stands off in the back and offers a simple and humble prayer. 
God doesn't need us to be religious scholars to hear our prayers. We simply need to be willing to open our hearts and talk to God just as we are. One device that's been really helpful for me in forming a habit of prayer is actually journaling my prayers. And when I first started this, I used the ACTS acronym. You've probably heard of this before, but the ACTS acronym stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. So when I journaled my prayers, I'd begin with a time of adoring God, a time of praising God for who I had experienced the Lord to be in my life, a God of love, a God of grace, an awesome God, I began each day by journaling my prayers of praise. From adoration, I moved into that confession time. Now, you'll notice in our bulletin, each week during worship, we spend time praying as a confession. And that's really important because it's important for us as a church to corporately confess. But I believe that this time of personal confession is vital to our prayer life. Because you see, when I began to daily spend time reflecting on what I needed to confess to God, I also experienced God's forgiveness in a deeper way. And because of that, I was able to forgive myself as well. So I didn't end up in that cycle of shame. So confession was a really important part of me, for me, talking to God. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving. It's probably the part of prayer that flows most easy for us, right? It's how my child prays. Thank you, God, for the trees. Thank you, God, for mommy. Thank you, God, for balls. Offering thanksgiving for all that we experience life in life comes naturally. I think it's a good practice for us to do it daily, though, because when I'm in those deep, dark places, the hard moments of life, by practicing daily prayers of thanksgiving, it reminds me that even in the most difficult times, there are still glimmers of God's love. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. So out of that thanksgiving, we transition into a time of asking. That little acronym I used used the word supplication, which is really just a fancy way of saying asking God for our needs. Our time of prayer is about asking for what we need and the needs of others. And the reason I loved journaling was because when I got to this part of praying for the needs of others, I was able to go back and look over time and see how God had answered those prayers. Oftentimes, those prayers were answered in ways that I would have never expected, but I found great comfort in seeing where God had been at work through the prayers that I had offered. Whether you're reading scripture, journaling, or simply sharing your thoughts with God, I believe that if we are truly to connect and commit to this community of faith, we each have to be devoted to prayer. So I want to challenge you this week to decide how much time you are going to spend in prayer. 
And I'd like for this to not be something that you simply decide for yourself, but I'd like for you to talk with those who support you, whether it's your family or friends, and commit together to prayer. Because I believe that each of us has a chance to connect to God and to this community by devoting ourselves to prayer. Our connection to each other and to our church family will be much richer when we get back to the source through prayer. And so as we continue our stewardship focus each Sunday, we're going to hear from different members of our church family. This morning, I've asked Ruth Reynolds to come and to share a bit about how the practice of prayer has enriched her faith journey over the past year. Good morning. This morning, I want to testify to you today the power of prayer in my life and how prayer has gotten me through the darkest days of this pandemic. When we all were under a statewide mandate to stay at home in April of last year, I felt isolation, I felt fear, and I felt uncertainty. What I missed the most was freedom, freedom to go where I wanted and to be with friends and loved ones. I tried to keep up with the world outside by watching the news constantly, which was a big mistake. Crisis upon crisis lit up my TV screen. You know what I mean. These crises were not only about COVID, but there was an ever-widening division in our country developing. And due to the lockdown, there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. It seemed as though the one place I was not cut off from was the place where I meet with God through prayer. Though my physical freedom was taken away by the dangers of the virus, I remained 100% free in my relationship with God. And my prayers during those dark days bore fruit, peace, comfort, and assurance. Peace that came from turning inward and lifting my heart to God. Comfort from the Holy Spirit sent to me in prayer. And the assurance that came from God that he would abide with me and that all shall be well. That freedom of my spirit transcended my lack of freedom in the physical world. So in the end, my fear was replaced by peace. My isolation by comfort, and my uncertainty by assurance. God has opened much to me in prayer that has given me freedom in him the last year and a half. I'd like to end this morning with a prayer by Christian theologian Howard Thurman. Please pray with me. Lord, open unto me light, for my darkness, courage for my fear, hope for my despair, peace for my turmoil. Open unto me joy for my sorrow, strength for my weakness, wisdom for my confusion, forgiveness for my sins. Open unto me 
tenderness for my toughness, love for my hates. Open unto me thyself for myself. Lord, Lord, open unto me.